as the saints come dragging in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints come dragging in. <laughs> oh, that's what she thought. <laughs> hey, we're not of those who drag. We don't lag. What? What is it? Don't be acting like it's not your cigarette. Man. I know. <laughs> we saw that, didn't we? We know what he did right there. Mm, I'm just saying. <laughs> where there's, maybe. But I'm saying where there's smoke, there's fire. Pun intended. Okay, we're going to get started this morning. Um, does anybody have any praise reports? Praise, oh, praise report. It's a praise report, not a prayer request. A praise. Tell me something good God has done. There you go. Thank you. Praise report. First week of work. All right. That's good. Praise report. Do what now? Many, many, many. A lot of people. Okay, I was like, is many a person? Are you saying many as in many may? I mean, I'm just, I'm, you got to keep it simple for me. Okay. Hispanic District Women's Conference, where the Lord showed up, it was it was like Brownsville Day. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible, and I know the speaker personally. Oh, that's good. Well, <laughs> that was it. Was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I don't like being translated. I have to admit, but the Lord still does what the Lord does. God moved in the house, so I'm just hey, I'm coming in riding that wave. So y'all better watch out. So, um, anybody else? Praise report? I mean, I think Mike, it was so good, I think Mike got saved. <laughs> See, he's all, he, he, that was just a slight confession of his cigarette habit over there, I think. So we're... <laughs> you was. <laughs> anybody else a praise report? Yes. Well, well, the praise report is it's your first time here, but it won't be your last. That's right. We welcome you. Yes, Andrea? So I had an audit this week, this past week, and uh, I was feeling like high anxiety, high functioning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, after the end of the audit, he says, this was the best audit I've ever had. There you go. That's praise be to God. He gives us favor. That's my mighty Mike scripture, you know, because in the, in the environment we're living in, we need protection, don't we? Would y'all all agree with that, you know? That the psalm, is it five, Mike, Psalm 5? He surrounds me with favor as with a shield. You know, I, I drew a picture in my Bible because I have pictures, I like pictures, so I drew a little stick man, and then I drew a circle around it. And then I drew an arrow to the stick man, and I put me. Then I drew an arrow to the circle, and I put favor. That way, when I go through my, I just see me surrounded with favor. 
You can be more elaborate if you want, but that's just all I need. Anybody else praise report? Okay, now we'll go prayer requests. Yes. We need to pray for him. That's right, that he is, will be sustained, rejuvenated, and brought back. Anyone else? Yes, Tamara. Oh, wow. That's good. You know, now, Tamara, I'll just give you my little testimony. Mike had knee surgery one time years ago, and he nearly passed out because he was, he, you know, you've had all that, you know, you've had surgery. And so he was um, going, he went to the bathroom, and he had this, like, drainage bag on his leg after you've had knee surgery, you know. And I heard him in there. He said, Andrea. And I came in there. He was gray. He was about to go. He was going in the bathroom where there's just tile all around him. I mean, he outweighs me by a little bit. So the only thing I could do in the situation, I just punched him as hard as I could <laughs> right between the shoulder blades. I mean, he was standing and he was going out. I mean, his eyes were rolling back in his head. And I went, you're not passing out. And I just slugged him as hard as I could. And he went, <gasps> okay. <laughs> Did it work? <laughs> He has never tried to pass out in my presence again. That's see, it, don't you think? See, that's how sometimes our lives are. I mean, there's that one little bit of pain saved him from a whole lot more. He could have cracked his skull in that tile bathroom. I wasn't going to catch him and fall, and his knee would have been, you know, just had it repaired. So sometimes what a person needs is just a good slug between the shoulder blades. So. So if y'all need me to come pray for you, just let me know. <laughs> Counseling, my doors are open. That's, what, that's kind of, I don't know, it's just my approach sometimes. If you want sensitive, go to sensitive people. Yes. Let's pray. Yeah, pray for that. Absolutely. Yes, yes. We're going to pray for our nation, of course. Let's go. Let's take these to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, what? Olga had, had to have her, Olga needs prayer. Okay, Lord, we praise you, Lord. We ask God that you would move in every knee. We lift up Olga to you right now, Lord God. You know her circumstance from forward to backward, Lord. We know that you are a God of supernatural intervention. And I just pray, God, that you would move supernaturally in this situation. Lord, the persons who are suffering with COVID, Lord, pray for Cindy's son right now in the name of Jesus that breath would enter his body, that every source of this virus would be eradicated from him in Jesus' name. And you would raise him up stronger than ever, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would touch in every situation, that you would heal George from these this passing out, that you would identify the source, Lord God. We lift up our nation before you and ask that you would send a revival, God. Send a revival, Lord God, to this nation. Lord, I pray that you would move, that you would sweep through our land, Lord God, with revival fire. Send a great awakening, we pray. We give you praise for all that you're doing among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So today, I'm going to move fast. But y'all are such quick learners that you're going to catch, you're going to be right there with me. Now, I want us to, 
I want us to go to first off Romans 8 and 2. Just one person can go there. Romans 8 and 2 and the rest of you I want to go to Esther 8. And we're going to hit this really quick and we are going to move fast through this. But I have to show you this. Romans 8 and 2 and the rest of you can go to Esther 8. And we won't stay there entirely that long but we'll be there for a minute. Who has and we'll read Romans 8 and 2. You have Romans 8 and 2. Right here, I'm going to let her read it on front, and I'm going to have you just read it in the microphone. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Okay, I'm going to ask for another translation. Didn't like that one. Tamara, come here. Come on. Do yours say law? Does yours have law in it? Yeah, come here. Run, run, run. Okay. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Perfect. Now, what did you say? What was the word it used? Uh, because you belong to him, the power. Of power. The okay. So those are, those are good translations. It's not bad. But sometimes when you're, that's why I am an advocate of reading multiple translations. I read King James. I read New King James. I read Paraphrase. I read um, New American Standard. I read NIV. I look in the Greek and the Hebrew because how many of you know you can just get set and words mean certain things to you and they evoke certain images in your mind and they link up with other words in the Word of God and that's what it means when Paul told Timothy, he said, he said, take great pains with these things. In other words, studying the Word of God. I would dare say that all of us can get entrenched in one way of seeing the word, and it will be attached to what you learned probably in church as a child in Sunday school. And your mind is already just like, I'm there, that's what that means. But you know what? It might not be all. It might be that was good interpretation. That was good truth. But there might be a whole lot more, and it might require you stepping out of that rut and looking at it from different angles. There might be truth from different angles that will open up different revelation. So that's how I encourage every year, excuse me, every year I read through the Bible in different translations. This is the Jewish study Bible. I've learned so much Hebrew because it just throws Hebrew in there. And I'm like, what does that mean? So I use all these different translations all the time. So that, that's just how I, how I read the Word of God. So we said that there. What did it, how many laws were there, Tamara, according to that? Two, for the law of, what's the first law? The law of spirit and life and the law of sin and death. Y'all got that? Romans 8, 2. How many laws? Two. The law of spirit and life, the law of two laws. Good. Okay, now the book of Esther is one of those amazing books that takes, that takes super spiritual realities and puts them into a, from a historical context and never even mentions God by name. Not one time. Now, you're like, well, why is it in the Bible? Because God loves to do things the way he does things. So what we're going to look at, Esther, it's a part of the canon of Scripture. It's the inspired Word of God. So we're going to look at that. There are such amazing truths in the book of Esther that you can't find if you don't know how to stand on this side of the cross and look back through it at the Word of God. That's how you have to read the Word of God. If you're standing on this side of the cross, you're missing it. 
You're coming from an old covenant perspective. You're trying to use the lens of the old covenant to interpret scripture. Your lens is broke. It's not going to work. But if you get the right perspective, which is what, what we're supposed to do, is we look through the word of God and you start to see the Christology begin to raise. Oh, you see, I mean, Wednesday night's message again, y'all. Nana, nana, boo-boo. I mean, if you missed it, you just missed it. Dear God, that was one of the best messages. I said, Mike, you're going to have to start preaching that good on Sunday morning. You know what he said? Get the hindrance. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. Joke. I'm just being serious. Okay, no, I'm not. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, so Christology, you look back through the word of God. Now, we know that this is how you read the Bible because Jesus, after he had resurrected, he met two disciples and he walked to where? Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, right? And so he talked to them just carrying on a conversation, yet he had concealed his identity from them. Is that not cool or what? Just talking, walking with Jesus, just thinking you're talking to the guy across the street. We met this guy. They're walking with him, and then they get to the house where they're going, and they've just, they've just made such a connection with him. Have you ever met someone, you just make such an instant connection with them, you feel like you've known them your whole life? So this is what has happened here. They're like, hey, why don't you come on in and eat with us? And it says that he would have passed by. He would have been like, okay, see y'all later. Man, that's, there's so much there, isn't it? I mean, you're going to have to actually invite Jesus into the next, next chamber of your life. And so or it said he would have just gone on by. So they brought him in, and then they, they said he's in the house, Jesus says, I don't know, it probably takes a little bit for, in that day and age, for a Hebrew to cook a meal. What do y'all think? I mean, no microwaves, no, I mean, you know what I mean? It probably, we don't, we can just throw something together, you know, you know, hot pockets, it's done. You know, just quick like that. What, you know? <laughs> yes. We don't, um, yeah, it's gone out, and I'm like, I don't want to buy one yet because it matches my stove, and so I'm just like, yes, forget it. I'll live my whole life without a microwave. You know what I mean? And I said, Jacob, there's chicken and dumplings in there. He said, I said, but, the, but remember, the microwave doesn't work. And he went, what? I said, just get a pan out, put the chicken and dumplings in there, add a little bit of milk, and heat it up. He went, oh, no, I'm not that hungry. That's, so... <laughs> So he thought his daddy was working magic with the stove, you know. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> anyway, so things get lost in... Tra okay, so I'm sure he was sitting in the house a long time with these guys, right? So here, and then it says in the scripture, you can read it in your own time, that when he broke bread, what symbolism? They recognized who he was. And then, but this is... I said, well, let's say this. Then, then he vanished... And then they said this, when he walked with us, and he talked with us, and he told us all about, he showed us Christ all through the scripture. What scriptures was he showing them Christ through? But the New Testament hadn't been written yet. It was all the old covenant and the law, and he began to say, and 
and Jesus was there, and Jesus was there, and Jesus was there. And what they began to do is we see the New Testament church starting to emerge, and they're looking back through the Old Covenant, and Christology is jumping up in Revelation. That's how we read the Word of God. To read from the other direction this way is an unfaithful reading of the Scripture. So now with Esther, I say all that to say this. Esther here, we don't even have the name of Jesus mentioned. We don't have the name of God mentioned. No Jehovah, no Elohim, nothing. No Ruach, no Spirit. So what's it doing there? I think, y'all, should we just tear it out and throw it away? We got to look, don't we? So here, I think this is one of the most profound places in the Word of God that we see all sorts of things because it comes from an indirect reading of it. And so here, after, and I don't have time to go through it all, there's so much here, but all I'm going to focus on is those two laws right here. Now, we know in the New Testament there's two laws, the law of sin and death and the law of spirit and life, right? So whenever a law went forth from King Ahasuerus, who can tell me what the first law was? The first law went out. Anybody know the scripture well enough to know it? The first law that the king, Esther's husband, sent out. What was the first law? No. No. What was the first law? To destroy the Jews because he was listening to Haman. Right, we know. So uh, the first law went out. Kill, annihilate, and destroy all the Hebrews. We call that the Antichrist spirit. Antichrist spirit was working. Kill, annihilate, and destroy all of the Jews. Now Esther, she was the bride of the king. Are you seeing that? Let's get over here and look. What would that be? The church. There you go. The church. The bride of the king. She defeated Haman's plot without an army, without any weapons. She didn't throw a spear. She didn't wield a sword. She didn't do, she didn't raise up any great men. She wasn't a Deborah who led an army. Where did she defeat the enemy? What tool did she use? Say it. A banquet. Come on, y'all. She set up a banquet. And she walked in, in her identity, in her authority, in her position. And she sat down at a table, and her enemy was sitting right there with her. And in that banquet, there was an enemy that didn't belong. And it became obvious. And she said, you. And the king says, you got to go. She destroyed the enemy's plan with a banquet. That is bridal identification. Behold, I speak a great mystery, but I speak of Christ in the church, the bride of Christ. 
Mike preached this the Wednesday night before, but I'd preached it before that. And we'll just keep preaching it until we get it. Deuteronomy, there were, there were, in the law, there were legitimate excuses for not going to battle. Right? If you married a wife, you bought land, if you, I don't know, something, there's these, there's three excuses. You didn't have to, you were exempt from battle. In the New Testament, we see Jesus walking along and he's teaching. And he says something like this. He says, there was, he tells a story about three guys he invited. And one said, oh, they were all going to a banquet. An invitation went out to a banquet. An invitation went out to a banquet. How many of you like banquets? I do. You like to eat. Somebody's prepared the food. You're invited. You don't have to pay a thing. It's beautiful. You know the play. You've been to nice banquets. Place setting and the fork and the. You know what I'm talking about. And you know <clears throat> how many of you think it's probably. You know it's supposed to be an honor to be invited to a banquet. You've been invited to a banquet. Invitation has come to your house, sealed with the person throwing the banquet. You broke the seal. You opened it up. Hear ye, hear ye. You have been invited to attend a ball at this great Lord's house. How many of you are going, oh, dang. Hold on, I'm not finished. No talking yet. None of you, so you have, you've been invited to a a high thing. You've been invited to a place of significance. You have been invited to a table of elite persons. You have been invited to a place that has been given a place of importance and purpose and authority. Your name means something for that man to write on that invitation your name and has opened his, not his home, he's not inviting you to be their servant, they're inviting you into the place that the servants have prepared a meal for you. But the unbelievable part of the story is they all, with one consent, began to do what? Make excuses. I can't go. Send my regrets. Why? I married a wife. Send my regrets. Why? I just bought a field. See my regrets. Why? I bought an ox. I heard a preacher preach at one time two fools and a hem packed husband. (laughs) I didn't say he did. That's good though, wasn't it? My point in this, what is the spiritual significance of all of this? How does it integrate with this? See, we don't have the revelation of what we have been invited to. The reason I know we don't have the revelation of what we've been invited to is we're making excuses like we're going to a battle. 
we're going to a finished work. You are more than conquerors. We don't start and work to finished. We start from finished. So lost, who lost? We got see now. I've just I've just given you that banquet reality. The bride defeated the enemy at a banquet. If the bride would get to the banquet, she might discover there's more victory at the banquet than she ever, ever, she might feast on victory. She might feast on the promises. She might feast and nourish herself on the reality that it has all been done. Hmm. So, the king dilemma. He has signed a decree to kill his wife's people. Y'all see a problem with that? Well, it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. Kings, kings, all he has to do is just say, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Ha, 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 ha. Psych. Oh, dude, no, my bad. No, bro, I'm just messing. No, see, it didn't work that way in that day. When, when, <laughs> when, when is that funny, Mike? <laughs> when Jacob and Mike would go to the gym, they would come back with these whole bro things. They go, they call each other, "Hey, protein shake." Hey, I mean, they did all. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, hey bro-licious. <laughs> hey, bro Cephas, come here. I mean, that's what they did. They, for for an hour, they would call each other different versions of the word bro. But protein shake was my favorite. I don't know why. <laughs> so here we have the king had a dilemma, but what did he? How did he solve the problem? He did another decree. Mmm. Now you're making the connection between Romans eight and thirty-two. Another decree. And one decree somehow empowered the people and they were just stronger than their enemy. I I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm in the kingdom of Persia at that day, Babylon, and there's a law that goes out and it says in just a few days, there are going to be people knocking at your door, and they're going to have one purpose. They're going to murder you. And whatever you have in your house, whoever murders you gets it. How many of y'all would go, that would be frightening? It would be frightening. I mean, if we, the situation in the world scares you, that would do you in. I'm not saying it wouldn't scare me either. I'm not a fool. And then the answer to it, the answer to it, now you can fight with your gun, but you'll be dead soon. You'll run out of bullets at some point. But but we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Principalities. We wrestle with principalities and powers. Bullets run out, guys. Beans finally end. Your rice and bean supply It'd be gone at some point. And I don't know, are you planning on murdering people to protect it? See, you haven't thought, the preppers haven't really thought this whole thing out. 
They really haven't thought it all out. But see, a second, see, here's where the real power is at. See, we're still making excuses like the battle hasn't been won. The second decree went out, and when that decree went out, it somehow, perhaps supernaturally, empowered a group of people to defend them. It was stronger than the first law, and the Jews were empowered to rise up, and they rose up and were so victorious over their enemy that it wasn't even funny. They created a whole new feast called Purim because of it. There are two laws that have gone out. Romans 8.32. Do you have it again, Tamara? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me flee because it is more powerful. It carries the full authority of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The banquet has been made. The soup is cooked. The first course is laid. The second course is coming and dessert is on the way. It is fully prepared. The menu is set and everything that need be done has been done. It is time for you to get a revelation of the finished work and stop making fear-ridden excuses because you don't believe anything's really been won. Two laws. The second law was more powerful than the first. And that's just one little tiny bit of the things that are in Esther. So now I'm gonna, now y'all have got that, right? Esther 8. I said all that to say this. My eyes. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. I'm going to read. I'm going to start. I'm just going to read a few little choice scriptures here. See, I had to create that, that, that portrait for you. To each, what am I at? Is it 10? 9, I think, is where I'm at. I can't see. To each province it was written. And its own script. Now listen. To each province it was written in its own script. That means its own language and in its own language, and also to the Jews in their own writing and language. The second decree went out. It was written in a language. Everybody's language heard the decree in their language. Anybody getting a revelation of the New Testament? Help me with it. Come on. And they were gathered together in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit poured out. And they began to speak in tongues. And they were dwelling in the land. There were some people from here and there and over there. And they spoke their own, they had their own language. But they all heard the sound of them glorifying and praising God in their own language. That's why the Holy Spirit was poured out. It was a complete undoing of the Tower of Babel. This racial division is earthly talk. That's not how the Bible lays it out. The only two races I can find in the Bible are Jew and Gentile. And 
Ephesians says that they broke down the middle wall of partition. And how many new men did they make? One new man. We all have our heritage and our history. Some's good, some's not so good. Right? But what we, when we come into this kingdom, we are one body. We are one people. We, are one, we have one head. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we are severally individuals, living stones, as it were, stacked on top of one another, each supplied from the same source, the head, Jesus Christ. And he gives to that body some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some evangelists, some pastors, for the equipping of the, you just called one thing, saints, to the work of ministry. God sets teachers such as me in a house to equip you, to show you the word of God so you'll quit making excuses like you're going to a battle and you'll start showing up to the banquet that has already been set because we celebrate the banquet after the war has been won. There you go. Okay. Now, in their own language, their own blah, 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 blah. This decree was written in the name of the king. Here we go again. Y'all ready? Sealed with the king's ring. That's going to be good. And sent on horseback. You with me, Mike? By couriers who rode on the king's horses especially bred for their speed. What? What, Jeremiah? Jeremiah? What is this complaint you have, Jeremiah? You're getting tired running with the footmen? Call. How are you going to keep up with the horsemen? And Elijah prayed, and he saw a cloud coming out of the ocean. Oh, the sea, nations. He saw a cloud rising up out of nations. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> you getting it, Mike? He saw a cloud rise. A cloud is the glory. He saw a cloud just on the other side of drought. He saw the tiniest little cloud rising up out of the nations. He saw a cloud rising up out of the sea. And he said, messenger, tell me what you see. I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. He said, that's it. I want to speak with the voice of the prophet, and I am telling you, I am starting to see a cloud. And I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And Elijah said, it's time to get to the house. And he took his skirt. He wore a skirt. And he made a little diaper out of it. It's what he did. He tied that skirt up 
to make some, a onesie. You know what I'm talking about? And he took off. <laughs> Y'all never saw Elijah in that way, did you? Not that Elijah. <laughs> he tied it up. It says he girded up his loins. He made himself a little diaper because the man was getting ready to run. And he didn't want the skirts hindering him. And he ran at chariot speed. He outran the horsemen back. There has been and is released in the land today a power that has been endorsed. There are horses that have been specially bred by the king that are made for speed. And he wants to put couriers. He wants to put messengers. He wants to put people with the word in their mouth. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's just a little, just a little of the spiritual revelation that's not in Esther. You see what I'm saying? Here, we are moved by the king's power. We are mobilized by the king's men. We are carried by the king's means. And we are identified by our affiliation with royalty. For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Y'all know it? A peculiar people. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. Do y'all know it? Out of, y'all should be singing it then. Out of darkness. I know y'all can't do it as good as me. It's all right. You can try. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a daggum peculiar, strange, odd people. You don't act like everybody else. You don't look like everybody else. You govern yourselves by a different place, and I don't understand nothing about you. You don't need to understand nothing about you. All you got to do is try to keep up. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, mundane dreams, and tame visions. I'm tired of acting like there's a battle to be fought when the war has already been won. I am tired of the church not knowing what they're called to. You have been empowered to rise up and defeat your enemy. Well, I just don't know. The decree says you can fight. And the battle's fixed. It's been tilted. You see what I'm saying? What battle wouldn't you fight if you know you'd already won? You see what I'm saying? Okay, so we're going to go a little bit further and get to wipe the tears from my eyes. Okay, so with that said, 2 Corinthians 4.18, we look not on the things which are seen, but on the... See, our decree has been won where? In the seen or the unseen? Where are you at? You in the unseen? Where else are you? I'm seeing all of you. You're in both. You need to be in both. It's good you're in both. I, I, I got it. I'm qualified. 
Y'all know I'm qualified. You know what qualifies me here? On earth. What qualifies me? My mama birthed me on September the 29th, 1971. I'll be 50 at the end of this month. Dear God. Thank you, Jesus. I know, I know. I know, some of you already, you gray heads. I still cover mine up. Okay. So, what qualified me in this realm, this natural realm? My birthday. I got me a body. I'm going to get a new body one day, and that's coming. But right now, I got this body, and I got to have this earth suit in order to qualify me for authority here in this place right here. You don't know. That's why, if you ever see me in church sometime, and I feel the Spirit of God moving on me, doing I tell every spirit around me, watch my body work. I've never seen a devil clap their hands unless they have borrowed someone's body and used theirs. That's all that's going on, y'all. That's all that's going on. See, the fact of the matter is the devil knows more about how to work authority in this earth than you do. He knows he can't do nothing without your body. He's going to have your mind and your mouth. So you can tell his lies, you can think his thoughts, and you can carry out his plans. So that would make you, in essence, when you do that, what? The body of the devil. But what are we called? What do we have? The mind of... These are... Christ's hands. These are Christ's feet. I think his thoughts. This mouth speaks his word. These hands do his work. Oh my gosh, this just got good. I'm not going to be consorting with the enemy. I'm not going to be listening to his garbage and speaking his words. Some of you would do really, really good. Just take your TV and throw it out back. I'm speaking to myself. The Lord, I, I watch, I'm a, kind of a, a confession. I'm sort of a bit of a news junkie. You know what I mean? It's not good. I, and I've, I've tamed it down. I just watch one hour. You know what I mean? And Lord's like, you need to get out of the news. Because all it does is feed me crap. Oh, I wasn't going to say that. Where's that jar? I know. Put a money in there. All it does is feed me garbage. Right? I'm trying to clean things up here. I'm, I've been, I was in the oil field for a number of years. It left its mark on me. That's as strong as my cuss words get, y'all. Just there. There you go. So, I have here, then, what was I saying? I got distracted by that. Oh, so then, it just feeds my mind, all this garbage, right? So then, I create stress in my inner man, don't I? I'm constantly trying to sort through. So, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to turn TV off. I just watch a little news, right? I drink my coffee, I drink news. I spend way more time, way more time with you than I do with the news. Just trying to stay in touch. I need to know what's going on in the world. Lord didn't press it. Less time. 30 minutes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Lord deleted all my social media. So then, 
Mike tells me, because we only have, we have this thing called Locast for our local channels, don't we? He told me the other day, he said, Locast went to court. We pay $5 a month to have local channels. That's how I get the news. Locast went to court because apparently they were breaking FDA, some regulations for radio, you know, you know, I don't know, but apparently we get a notice and it says, Locast will be going off the air. We're done. Peace out, Andrea. You can't obey God. He removed us all. Wow. <laughs> so this morning, guess who didn't turn the news on? And I start to understand. See, it's not about, and there's no legality in that. Zero. You know what I'm saying? No, see, that's where we come to and we look at things through a legal lens. Why do you suppose the Lord wouldn't want me watching the news? Because he's trying to put, is he trying, what is it? Yeah, it, it's not that he is trying to be severe or penal or place a code before me. He's saying, he's saying this, is, this is entangling you. Mm-hmm. What we didn't know just during that week span was that all of the started. Oh, oh, last March. Yeah. And it was. It was done. Yeah. That's good. You what you weren't you didn't it didn't have you hadn't opened the door to fear. And I'm telling you right now, that's what the Lord is showing me in these last days. There's a spirit of fear that is running rampant, and it will run through any door that you have open. God is not trying to be severe in these things. He's saying, make sure the doors you're opening are not opening doors to the enemy in your life. And so that, so that, it caused me to constantly have sort of one foot in the battle, a battle mentality, you know what I mean? And one foot in a banquet mentality. And I was sort of straddling the two planes all the time. And I was having to spend too much time trying to get out of the battle to get back into the banquet. And the Lord's saying, if you just leave the battle scene, you could live fully in the banquet scene and you would be more helpful to those that are in the battle scene. And so that's what the Lord's just telling me. Maybe he's telling you the same thing. And then I began to think about Smith Wigglesworth. He did not read anything anything but the Word of God. Now, you can take that from a legalistic point of view and go, if I do that, then I get this, and you would miss it altogether. Now, if all you read is the Bible, can't, will you get what Smith Wigglesworth got? I don't know. There's no formula there, is what I'm saying. That wasn't the source of his strength. But he did maintain, now listen to this, the realm he walked in by limiting his exchange 
with the realm he was trying to impact. You see what I'm saying? See, because he knew his success in seeing people miraculously healed was not that he was so much holier than everybody else. Because we're only holy by the blood of Jesus. We're only righteous by what he's already done. This was no addition to his holiness. But what he was is he had removed himself so much from the realm of the sight that he operated fully in another realm. He was what we are called to be, faith agents. Persons who have a body and occupy this realm of the seen, but we govern from the unseen. We know from the unseen, because what I've told you, faith is what is knowable by what is not observable. Science is what is knowable by what is observable. I'm not here to be a scientist today. I love science. It's great. Science and faith are not in competition with one another. Fact of the matter is, scientists would not be, have a job if it were not for a God of faith. Because everything that they slide under a microscope and discover are God's inventions. They were created by his word. And as the Lord is teaching me this, I am beginning to understand things. Now, I, don't, I get this, I wrote this lesson, the date on it, 10-13-2020. I couldn't teach it yet. You know why? I didn't understand it. So when you come in here and you sit and you listen to my teaching, I'm not getting you something that I got on Friday night or Saturday night. I mean, I am trying my dead level best to receive revelation that will prepare you for where we're going. This is not something I do at 9.30 to 10.30. This is the most important thing that I accomplish on earth. That's it. And so when I come back and I read this, I'm like, oh God, I didn't understand. I didn't understand. And then as I'm putting together image with this, I'm laying it all over each other. I mean, I'm like, God, you're just, you're blowing my mind. And so then I go to places like, and I hope I can do this adequately, real quick. I go to places like Psalm 97, and it says the mountains, oh gosh, melt like wax before the presence of the Lord. Now, in Scripture, what are mountains? Kingdoms. When Jesus said this mountain... You see before you, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you could take this mountain and cast it into the sea. He wasn't just talking about a natural mountain. The mountain he was talking about that day, if you look at it in its hermeneutic and you exegetically read the scripture there, you find out the mountain that he was talking about was the Jewish mountain of the culture of the Levitical priesthood and the law. The kingdom there. The kingdom, the, the Sinai kingdom, if you will. 
Moses received the mountain on Sinai, received the law of Sinai. He said, but we are not of Sinai. Galatians, Paul says it. We're not of that mountain. What mountain are we of? Zion. See, that's the battle mountain. Guys, we're on the, we're on the banquet mountain. Where we're, where we're surrounded by myriads of angels adorning themselves in their festal robes. Why are they in a festal robe? Because the victory has been won. We're all still trying to climb up Sinai and beat the dog out of people. We're, no, we're trying to beat the hell out of people. But Jesus took all of our hell and he left it in the grave. And he resurrected victorious and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And Ephesians says, I just happen to be seated with him. So, when the mountains melt like wax, if we understand Jewish culture, and we understand what that's saying, we understand that in order, now Melissa Coy gets this. If you've ever received correspondence from Melissa Coy, you understand this. She seals everything that she has with a wax and a seal, don't you? She does. See, that is what that's talking about there. What did the king give? What did he seal the decree with? Oh, come on, y'all. <laughs> Do y'all see what I'm... What y'all, y'all picking up what I'm laying down here? The hills, the mountains melt like wax. The mountain of sin and death. The mountain, every kingdom, that is every devilish kingdom, all the kingdom of darkness. When it's, when that seal was affixed to that wax, what did the wax do? Did it fight back? Melissa, when you seal your seal to wax, have you ever had a little conflict there between you and the wax? Are you like, oh gosh, i got to go back here and go do battle with this wax again? Doesn't it just submit instantly? And does it dry in the shape you told it to? Now Hebrews says this. We're told we're going all kinds of places today. I didn't even mark Hebrews. But I'm going to have to get there because it's so important. You'll be half done. You'll be half baked when you leave. Okay. In many times and in many ways, God spoke long ago to the fathers, to the pro- I love how he tells it like a, a bedtime story, doesn't he? Many times and in many ways, God spoke long ago to the prophets. He spoke through the prophets, excuse me. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. This son is the radiance of his glory, the imprint of his being, upholding all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of our sins, he sat down at the right hand of his majesty on high, and thus became as far above the angels, and the name he, is, we, he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The rays of the sun is as to the sun. It's the exact. Jesus is the exact, the imprint there is the seal. Jesus is the exact image of the Father. 
He's the seal of the Father. If I then am in Christ, what have I been restored to? Image. I look to the Father when He looks at me. All He sees is Jesus. That kingdom of sin and darkness melted like wax. And when he sees me, he sees someone who wears his seal. As the Bible says, we have been sealed with the Holy Ghost. And, but that's when you stop there. Now, I have become one who carries his his seal. And so he said, disciples, so Jesus teaches to pray. He said, this is where we're going, guys. Pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, I have given you a seal. If you understood your authority, you would understand that the realm you walk in is like wax under the seal. And you would start placing that image on all kinds of things. And whose sins you admit? They are remitted. And whose sins you retain, they are retained. If you don't preach the word of God and tell them the good news about their redemption in Jesus Christ, then you have just retained their sin. That's what that means. That's kind of, that's the responsibility I carry. That's the, nay, the privilege I carry. I am his image on earth. Some of you, that's too far for you. To me, it's the only plausible place we can arrive. If there's any less than that, it requires your doing something to get there. And that, my friends, is what has hamstrung the church for generations. Is they are still trying to accomplish what has already been accomplished. They just did not understand the authority of the realm they are called to walk in. We walk by faith. And the realm that we live in is flimsy as wax under a seal. But sadly, my people are destroyed for lack of revelation knowledge. But I believe there's coming a people. I believe we're just on the beginning places of it. That they that know their God shall be strong 
and do exploits. We're going to mount up on the king's steeds that have been specifically bred for their speed. We're dismissed.